You're listening to Life 180, a Christ Central podcast where Jesus Christ is central to all that we do. We hope that this podcast would meet you where you're at, glorify God, and build a personal relationship with Him. I'm Garrett. And I'm Vance. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. We are excited. This is our first episode, and we want to begin and claim three verses that we cling to as our foundational verses for this this podcast as we go forward. Uh, first, we want to claim Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. That tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and uh, we cling to that very firmly. Um, uh, our second Scripture. Uh, is John three sixteen, and um, we we as believers believe this verse. You know, um, it's you've might have heard this, you've seen it on football players, but it says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him uh, should not perish, uh, but have eternal life." And so we truly believe that. Um, we truly believe that Jesus died and rose again the third day for. Uh, all of the world and for our salvation, and that way you can have a right relationship uh, with Him. That's absolutely right. And we and our final verse we want to claim is Acts seventeen eleven, and that is where uh, Paul was speaking to the Bereans, um, and it's basically saying, "Don't accept everything we say as fact. Go and search it out." Um, the actual verse says, "These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica." and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So we are challenging you to, as you're listening, go out and seek and find the truth for yourself. Right, and I think we once we get through some of these podcasts, we're going to try our best to challenge you guys to help you in your walk with the Lord and help you grow um, with, with people. And we want you to be able to um, take these podcasts and apply them to your life and ultimately want to glorify God. Right. So yeah. that's our, our, our main purpose. And that's so right, hey, hey, really quick, Garrett, can you uh, explain how this whole thing started? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I've been praying, uh, through trying to start a podcast, um, have had no idea how to do that. Um, had, had the time, the effort, the means or the place to record or anything like that. And so just, had been wanting to. Um, and so, you know, I think just the Lord orchestrated this whole thing because, um, you know, I moved to Corpus and have been hanging out with Vance and, um, through just talking with Vance after a Sunday service, he came up to me and said, Hey, you know, I feel, feel the Lord pressing this on my heart and I want to do this. And I feel like you would be somebody we could do this with. Uh, and he, he was like, I want to start a podcast. And so I was like, what? No way. That's crazy. Cause I want to do the same thing. Um, and then, so we just kind of prayed about it, planned and asked, uh, our pastor and, uh, he's actually going to be our guest today. Um, and so, uh, we have pastor Ralph, uh, green with us today and, uh, go ahead and say hi. Hey guys, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on today. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming on. So. My pleasure. We're excited. We're excited because we want to do um, a podcast where we interview church members, where we share the gospel, we teach you how to grow in your faith. I mean, we're uh, Vance and I are just average guys, right? So we don't, we haven't had, you know, we don't have uh, our master's degree or anything like that. Nothing crazy. We haven't been to, you know, seminary. We're not doctorates or anything like that. But we just ordinary Christians in the world who want to. See lives changed. Right, right. Yeah. Because our lives have ultimately been changed by what we believe through God's word. Um, and so we're going to just try it. And so y'all bear with us because honestly, we don't know we don't know what we're doing. And we're in deep water right now. So we're trying to swim. We've got our life rafts on and our, our not even our life rafts, our, our life vests. <laughs> and so um, we're just sitting here floating. So y'all bear with us as we work through the kinks and all that. All right. So in our intro, uh, we mentioned we're a Christ Central podcast. Um, our church is located in 14358 Northwest Boulevard. Um, our service times are 1015 a.m. And we have a Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sundays. Um, we're not a church looking for big numbers. We're looking for saved people. And uh, 
I'll, I'll say personally, my family's been massively blessed, um, not just by the, uh, the preaching from Pastor Ralph, um, but by every member who volunteers in this church. Um, it's been a huge blessing, and lives have been changed. Uh, we watched miracle after miracle, and God just shows off here. So we'd like to invite you all to come out. Uh, Absolutely. But, uh, Pastor Ralph, if you could say a word. Yeah, you know, um, we're uh, we're just aiming for people who are searching for truth, and uh, you know, I I don't uh, I I'm just a simple what you see is what you get kind of guy. Um, I'm a I would definitely say I'm a bottom bottom shelf kind of preacher. Uh, so that the kids, uh, if you've been walking with the Lord uh, for many years, you'll get stuff out of it. If you're a kid. Uh, crawling around on the floor while the sermon's going on. Uh, that's okay, too, because I know those kids are taking it in. And, uh, you know, we really do have a, a heart for the Lord. Um, I would mention, too, our church websites, ChristCentralPC.com. And uh, you can scope us out that way, too. There's uh, Sunday morning services on there and, and uh, some resources to help you in your spiritual journey. So, th again, thanks for having me on today, guys. Right, yeah. and uh, for our parents, really quick, sorry to add this. Um, for our parents out there who might have uh, youngsters and are kind of iffy on churches, uh, I know I'm, I'm a Marine, and so I'm huge on security. Um, this church is very big on security, and they take very good care of their, their, yeah. uh, their kids. Well, and actually our pastor, uh, Pastor Ralph, he, uh, is an, he's a previous cop, and is, before he was a pastor, he was a, a policeman. So he has a, a heart for security and, and just making sure um, people are always where they need to be and they're not where they shouldn't be, right? Um, and so I would say, you know, families, you're, you're welcome. We have uh, all walks of life. We have people who barely can walk to people who just learned how to walk, and and. Um, I would say everybody in between, right? And and we just have a great mixture of people and people who love the Lord. Right. So, Pastor Ralph, uh, we went, we invited you today. We kind of wanted to ask you some questions. Um, we've got a lot of things that the world kind of asks about Christianity, people on the outside, and even some people who kind of dip their foot in Christianity and don't really, you know, uh, chew the fat or chew the meat, you know, and get what's actually in it. So one of the questions uh, we kind of wanted to ask is, uh, why do you believe in the Bible? Well, uh, to begin with, when you answer that question, you have to answer with a foundational belief that there is a God. Uh, the first five words of the Bible establish, in the beginning, God created. And so uh, that statement creates a crisis of belief, because if you can't get past those first five verses of the Bible, uh, if you don't believe that there's a God, uh, you're going to have a problem. It's either true or it's false. If it's true, it have, has life um, impact and ramifications. If it's not true, it also has life impact and ramifications. And, uh, and so uh, God, um, if, if God didn't create the heavens and the earth and everything that we see, then you're left to figure out what your purpose is and what your meaning is here on planet Earth. But we believe that God actually did create the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1 tells us that. Uh, I have on my wrist a watch, for example. Uh, the, the fact that I have a watch on my, on my wrist uh, that has all kinds of different intricate features, and um, I'm going to apologize because I tried i don't know how to silence the little hourly chime so if it goes off you'll just have to do something with that's that. all right i didn't silence my watch either. i don't know i don't know how to fix that uh somebody <laughs> smarter than me but uh what that tells me is that there's an intelligent being out there who's a watchmaker and uh you know uh now i can deny the fact that there's a watchmaker uh but that's foolish because clearly I have a watch, and that testifies that there's a watchmaker. So my denial that there's not a God uh, who created is foolish. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible says at least twice in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, and Psalm 53, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Right, right. And I think, ultimately, we as Christians, we see, we can see God declaring himself through everything he's created, right? And so, and we are going to go through several topics and stuff, and I think on our next episode, uh, we might even just debunk evolution. 
Um, and so be be looking for that as we we are getting ready for that. Um, and so, you know, there's there's people out there who we have an idea, right? Of they have the they have an idea of the Bible, right? They understand that the the Bible is a is a book full. You know, it's sixty six books from Genesis to Revelation, and they understand it, but they don't they don't comprehend it, right? They they know it's a book and there's a religion off of that book and there's people who, you know, go to church and stuff like that. They Like everybody has heard of the Bible at some point, right? I would say in the United States. Um, but several people want to, you know, say, hey, the Bible's not true. It's got fallacies in it. Hey, the Bible's not true. It's got, um, you know, inconsistencies. Yeah. Or, or yeah. it's, it's got, you know, discrepancies or, you know, how could a, a loving God allow something like this to happen? Or, or, you know, Christians are a bunch of phonies and, and stuff like that. And so like one of the questions that I know people have asked is like an Abraham and Isaac story, right? Where you have this man, uh, Abraham, father Abraham, and he's told to kill his only son. Right. And, and sacrifice his only son. So how do we get, you know, child sacrifice, but we have a bunch of people following this religion where we don't believe in child sacrifice. Like we're totally, you know, against abortion. We, we are totally pro-life. We love, um, life from the womb to the tomb, right? We, we go to battle for that. Right. But then in our Bible, it says, you know, Hey, kill your son. Right. So, Pastor Al, can you go ahead and tell us more about that? Like where, you know, where they're getting this idea from? Well, let me just say that Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19 exactly explains uh, why Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. As you know, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him, uh, said you're going to, uh, at that time, Abraham and his wife Sarah did not have a child. Uh, he was his wife was barren. Uh, in that culture, I mean, it was a sign of God's judgment that you didn't have children. Uh, the Hebrew mindset was, we want children, we want them now, we want lots and lots of children. And so Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, and God waited until he was seventy-five to come and appear to him, and uh, and said, "You're going to have a child." Well, he made Abraham wait for twenty-five years, and so. Uh, Abraham is 100 years old. His wife is uh, 90, and they have this child they named Isaac. Well, Abraham raises this child. Uh, he's roughly, uh, Isaac's roughly 12 or 13, and then God comes and, and uh, issues a test. And uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, there's the answer to the question, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in the figurative sense. Galatians 3, 6, and 7 tells us even further that just as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, we know that only those who are faith are sons of Abraham. So the whole purpose of God telling Abraham he wanted to he wanted him to offer his son was a, was purely a test. Mm. Uh, Abraham concluded that God would be able to raise him up. Abraham was prepared to follow through by faith, but the rest of the story uh, is that God stopped Abraham and said, "Abraham, uh, now I know that you love me more than anything else." And he said, "and and what was amazing is as Isaac and Abraham." You know, Isaac's not stupid. He had seen sacrifices before. Uh, they're walking. He's holding the wood. He says, look, hey, Dad, there's, we've got the stuff for the fire. We've got uh, the, the wood uh, to put on the altar, but we don't have a sacrifice. And Abraham said, the Lord will provide for himself right. a sacrifice. And the rest of the story is that there was a ram caught in the bushes, um, and that's the ram that God offered yeah. right, in place of Isaac. I love that story. It always sends shivers down my spine when you read it, and it says God himself will provide a lamb. Yeah. Man, it just well, almost brings you to tears. It's awesome. And in the, in, in the future, it's a prophetic statement because in the future, 
of passages, he does. And and we exactly. see that as God sent his son, right? We see in John three sixteen, God sent his son to die ultimately die on the cross and and that is a testimony of the lamb that he sent. Right? Exactly, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's perfect. Yeah, thank you so much for answering that question. You bet. Um, we want to go forward, and uh, another question that a lot of people ask, and in fact, I've gotten this from every person that I have ever talked to about the Bible that was a non-believer, and they always bring they circle back and come to this reason. Right. And their question is, has the Bible been translated too many times to understand? How can we be sure it says what it's supposed to say? Uh well, let me um, go back to this whole idea that um, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth because that kind of lays the foundation uh, for, and I know you mentioned that you want to debunk evolution, um, you know, but that kind of lays the foundation for why we believe uh, the Bible is, an inspired, is the inspired word of God. Um, so... Uh, Psalm 19, verse 1, for example, tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. This type of revelation is what we call uh, general revelation, right? Um, It is is the idea that God is the author of the universe. Now, Genesis chapter 1 goes on and tells us how God created. It says that he spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was light. So God didn't have any raw materials. Uh, He didn't use anything to create. He just spoke it into existence. And so this, again, creates a crisis of belief. And, uh, and, you know, there is, um, if you don't um, believe in God, okay, fine. But what's your alternative version of God? Uh, If there's, as I mentioned, the watch... Uh, testifies of a watchmaker. Creation testifies that there's a creator. And, uh, you know, so you want a God, let's say, if you don't believe in God, you want a God uh, who is powerful, but you want to control him. You want to put limits on him. Mm. Um, Well, what that is, the Bible calls idolatry. And so people deny uh, all day long that there's there's no creator, um, because they don't want to be held accountable by that creator. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they reject the reality of God uh, by their own choice and by their own choosing. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 uh, tells us about why people deny the exist- existence of God. Now, I haven't forgotten your question, guys, so just bear with me here for a second. Oh, you're uh, fine. Uh, but Romans 1, 18 tells us, uh, that um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to him or to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Then, you know, Paul goes on there to talk about uh, how God has given people over to what, it, what is called a debased mind. And so uh, there's other forms of, of general revelation, for example. So there's, there's this idea that if you see a sun come up in the east every day, that there's a creator who put that sun up there. Uh, it didn't just happen. Um, you know, it has a, uh, a testimony of intelligent design. Did you know that if the, if the earth and the rotation of the earth tilts even half a degree, uh, one way or the other, uh, we're either going to be too far away from the sun or too close to the sun. So we'd either burn up or, or freeze to death um, because God is the one who makes sure that everything is where it's supposed to be. Uh, but there's other forms of, of general revelation. There's what's called revelation in providence. Matthew 5, uh, 45 tells us that God is benevolent uh, to all people. He makes the sun to rise on the evil 
and on the just. He makes the rain to fall on the evil and the just. So there's the providence of God. Acts chapter 14, verse 15 and 17, or through 17, tells us that God provides food for all people. And so God is, is generally revealing himself uh, to, to the human race. Um, Daniel 2.21 tells us that God providentially raises up rulers. He puts people in positions of national leadership and authority and responsibility. And then uh, there's, uh, there's the, the revelation of conscience in Romans chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 15, just across the page. Tells us that God has written His His law on the hearts and minds of all people. So um, that is all general revelation, but it's not enough to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So then that leads us to what's called special revelation, which is where the Bible comes in, because special revelation uh, includes the various means that God has used to communicate His message that was uh, codified in the Bible and how Jesus reveals God to us through the Holy Bible, the Scriptures. And so we believe that both general and special revelation um, are from God, and they're all about God. Okay, I want to add a little point there. I, I love that answer. Um, about all creation speaking of the Creator, um, I wanted to br- um, bring attention to a small little bacteria it has a tail that spins at, I think it was 15 revolutions per second or something like that. They find this thing. It has the, the tail itself is more advanced than the greatest uh, space shuttle that we have ever created. Wow. And it can stop, turn on a dime, and go the other direction. And they say it's equivalent if a person could have that kind of capability. It'd be like swimming through peanut butter at 20 miles an hour. Wow. And... So if you're telling me that that happened, you know, by chance, uh, yeah, you know, you need to go to the loony bin. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we did not come from the goo to the zoo to me and you. Yeah. Well, and my version of the Big Bang theory is God said, "Let there be light," and bang, there was light. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. And uh, I had a question though, because you mentioned, you know, God provides food, right? And and there's people in Africa who are starving. So can you kind of, I know this kind of off script here, but um, can you kind of explain like? We have a God, right? And we see a creator, obviously, you know, and, and, and there's people out there who believe in a creator, but they don't have saving knowledge like you were talking about um, of Jesus, right? And so kind of talk about why there's, you know, there's bad and evil in the, in the world when there's, you know, there's people who are hungry, but yet the Bible says God feeds all those, those people. Well, you know, the... Uh as you work through the book of Genesis, you get to Genesis chapter 3, and everything that God made was good. Um, as God created day one, day two, and by the way, we believe in six literal 24-hour days of creation. And then on the seventh day, God declared that it was holy, and he rested. Um, on day six, God created uh, male and female. He created humans, and he created them special. They were the crowning glory of creation. Uh, no other part of creation was created in the image of God. And so uh, God made them. Everything was perfect. Everything uh, was uh, the most perfect environment. Everything was in place to provide for this first couple, the first family. And um, then Genesis chapter 2 tells us God took a, a more hands-on approach. He Uh, formed man out of the dust of the earth. And the Bible specifically says that God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. Uh, Well, in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, uh, who's known as Satan, Lucifer, fallen angel, that happened in eternity past, and that's a whole story for another day. Uh, but he speaks to Eve and he questions. Now, God had told them, you can have of all the trees in the garden um, you can eat of all the all the fruit. It doesn't matter. The tree of life is in the middle of the garden. You can have access to that. He said there's one rule. And so, you know, people think that God's a, an ogre, a killjoy. Um, but God had one rule. He said you cannot eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so Satan tempted Eve. The short story is, is that she looked at it. She lusted after the fruit. She saw it was desirable to make one wise. Um you know, she added to God's word, and uh, 
God had said, you know, I don't want you to eat this. She says, well, he said, don't eat it. But he also said, don't even touch it. Well, she got that from her husband who led her astray. Um, but then um, uh, they ate and they, uh, their eyes were opened and they lost their innocence. And so um, what that is is sin. It's rebellion against God. Sin is missing the mark. It is missing God's standard of perfection. And so here everything is perfect. God provided everything that they needed. They violated God's one rule, and then evil entered into the world. From that time on, uh, humans have been disobedient and uh, rebellious against God. And so one of the reasons people are starving in Africa is because there are humans who are taking advantage of people and who are not honoring God. God, as I said earlier, puts people in positions of authority and responsibility. Those leaders, those rulers are accountable to God. And every, every dictator, every tyrant who has uh, abused people to further his own uh, wealth or his own power or prestige and has taken food that God has provided for people is going to give God or give an account to God for that someday. So the God's not the reason people are starving in Africa. It's the evil in humanity and the sin in mankind and the fact that we live in a fallen uh, a fallen creation where sin is now a reality in the world because of Adam and Eve's disobedience. That's right, and that's why we have uh, churches, right? That's that's our uh, opportunity to reach out and be the uh, hand of Christ and right. go out right. and feed those who are hungry. Um, let me circle back to what you had asked me earlier about uh, the Bible's translation. And uh, can you refresh my memory on how you how you put that? Uh, people have said it's been translated too many times. Is that true? Um, no, uh, that uh, that's actually a really great question. Um, the The Bible is a unique religious book. Um, the divine origin of the Bible, I mean, we believe that God is the author of it. Uh, because what you have is you have the continuity of, of, the, of the teaching from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, all the way to the book of Revelation. Um, you know, just to give an example, say, from uh, the Islamic Quran, uh, it was compiled by an individual, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, Zaid Tabit, under the guidance of Muhammad's father-in-law, Abu Bakr. Um, and additionally, in uh, AD 650, a group of scholars produced a unified version and destroyed all the variant copy copies to preserve the unity of the Quran. By contrast, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get butchered uh, for pronouncing those names, so I apologize. I don't want to offend uh, Islamic uh, people. But uh, by contrast, the, the Bible came from 40 different authors uh, over the course of almost 1,500 years uh, from different vocations uh, in life. Uh, for example, among the writers of Scripture was Moses. He was a political leader. Joshua was a military leader. David was a shepherd who became uh, a king. Solomon was a king who wrote part of the Bible. Amos was a herdsman. Uh, a fruit, uh, a fruit harvester. Daniel was a prime minister. Matthew was a tax collector. Luke was a medical doctor. Paul was a rabbi, and Peter was a fisherman. And so, uh, forty different authors over the course of fifteen hundred years, and their uni and, and the the message, their message that God inspired them to write, is completely unified. Uh, there, uh, the late, great W.A. Criswell, pastor at First Baptist Dallas, used to say that there's a scarlet thread of redemption uh, that runs um, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. What's interesting, too, is that the Bible was um, written on three different continents, Europe, Asia, Africa. Uh, and so here you have a unique, uh, uh, consistent message all the way through from different uh, continents. Now, there's three of us sit, sitting in this room. Um, there is a variety of subjects that you and I would all completely disagree on if we were just randomly writing down thoughts. Uh, the, the likelihood of our um, ability to write down, if we just said, let's write down three random thoughts, one from each of us um, on a piece of paper, the likelihood 
that those would come out exactly consistent with one another is slim and none. I mean, because I might be thinking about ice cream. Yeah, or cereal or whatever, right? Um, And so, but there's no contradictions and there's no inconsistencies. The Holy Spirit is the unifier of the 66 books of the Bible who who determined its harmonious consistency. And uh, these books, uh, unified, teach about the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Jesus Christ, the personality of the Holy Spirit, the fall uh, and depravity of man, as well as salvation and grace. And so it becomes apparent that no human uh, author could have orchestrated this harmony of the scriptures. And so we're left with the understanding that, uh, the, the, that God himself is the one who authored scripture. Matter of fact, the Bible itself tells us how the Bible was written. Uh, you mentioned, I think you all read 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 earlier. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Uh, I love the apostle Peter. Uh, you know, he was one of the Lord's uh, closest disciples. And uh, Peter's motto in life was, you know, ready, fire, aim. I mean, he, he just opened his mouth and said what everybody was thinking. Yeah, he had a foot and mouth disease, I yes, think. Yes, <laughs> uh, But Peter, in his epistle in Second Peter chapter 1, tells us how the Scripture was authored. He says, For we did not follow cunningly designed or devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the, on the holy mountain. Peter is, uh, let me just stop here and pause and say, Peter is talking about when Jesus was glorified in front of them on what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. He took Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain that's recorded in the Gospels. And uh, God pulled back the veil and the curtain to show Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And they heard, all three of those disciples heard God the Father speak from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Second time that that happened, by the way, uh, the first time being at Jesus' baptism, where the voice from heaven spoke, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove, and, uh, and you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, there as Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And so then Peter goes on and says, So we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you would do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That phrase, moved by the Holy Spirit, is important in the original language. Uh, It refers to, uh, or the idea, the picture that's being painted is a sailboat on a a body of water where the wind is propelling that boat along. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. And Peter's saying, we literally wrote down what the Holy Spirit was moving us to write. And so scripture is literally God-breathed. Uh, when, when Paul talks about it's inspired, it means God breathed into these human authors uh, what he wanted them to record and to write. So I, I kind of have a question on that. So, like, did the authors just kind of pick up, like, you know, because you said it's all over these years. It, did the author just grab the script that they read, you know, and, and finish where they left off? Or, like, how did that work? Well, obviously, I wasn't there. I'm <laughs> old, but I'm not that old. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, but no, I, the Holy Spirit inspired these authors to record exactly what God wanted recording, and God made sure that these uh, that these um, these writings from these holy men of God uh, were recorded and preserved so that we would have them today. Now, going back to your question about the Bible being translated too many times, this is actually a whole field of academic study called textual criticism. And I have to kind of lay a little foundation here because um, the Bible's original languages are Hebrew, Old Testament, 
or Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek and Aramaic in the New Testament. And uh, in terms of, of translation of the New Testament, think of it as flowing from, uh, from two streams, okay? Um, so you've got on one side what's called the Byzantine text. That, that would be kind of one stream or one flow of, of the Scripture. On the other side, you have what's called the Alexandrian text or um, the, the African text. And uh, Bible translations, um, and so like the Byzantine text is the foundational text for Bibles like the King James, the New King James, the New American Standard Bible, okay? The Alexandrian text would, would be the stream used to produce uh, Bibles like the New International Version, okay? Now, unless you read Greek or Hebrew, um, you're going to have a hard time reading the original manuscripts, right? I don't, I mean, I passed Greek, but only because I was able to memorize vocabulary. Um, and it took, uh, I, I had to keep telling myself that C equals commencement. So I'm sure, sure there are a lot of Greek scholars out there who could do a much better job of explaining this. But for example, the English Standard Version takes the Byzantine text and the Alexandrian text and welds them together, takes the best of both uh, streams to produce the ESV. Um, now, currently, there are over 6,000 copies of various parts of the New Testament from those two streams. There's no other classical Greek literature that can boast uh, such numbers. For example, Homer's Iliad, the greatest uh, of all classical Greek classical works, exists in about 800 manuscripts. Uh, Euripides' tragedies exist in about 350 mag, uh, manuscripts. The time span of the New Testament original works to the next surviving manuscript is 100 years or less. And so the Bible, while the, the whole Bible was composed over the course of 1,500 years, the New Testament portion of it was composed in a hundred-year time span from the time Jesus ascended back into heaven to the time uh, that the Apostle John concluded uh, the book of Revelation in about 100 A.D. or 90 A.D. or so. Um, and so uh, between those two streams, though, there's only about a 10% difference in, the, in what the text is trying to say. And so that 10% is going to be, you know, things like uh, use of words that, you know, uh, may be a little bit different in their variation of what they mean. But they're not going to change the overall uh, doctrine or the overall teaching of the text. And so if you have what is called a word-by-word, uh, thought-by-thought, uh, either functional equivalent, dynamic equivalent, English Bible, you're going to have an accurate copy of what God said. Hope that answers your question. That was actually very excellent. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I think we all appreciate it. Um, yeah. We are going to have to start wrapping this up, but um, could you explain to our listeners how do you become a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? And just what's the process? Well, the great thing about uh, becoming a Christian uh, is that it is simple that even a child can understand. Uh, I like to say here, as you guys have, have heard me say numerous times, that becoming a Christian is as simple as ABC. Uh, the A stands for admit. We have to admit that we're a sinner. Um, we have to agree with God that we shall fall short of his standard of perfection, right? Um, I've only met one person in my life who refused, absolutely refused, to admit that they were a sinner, that they had done something wrong. And uh, I was like, well, I can't, I can't help you <laughs> because if you can't admit that you're a sinner, that you've done something wrong, then the gospel isn't for you. But the fact is the gospel is for her, but she just refused to admit it. So the, the A stands for admit. B uh, means believe. Believe what? Well, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to earth uh, as fully God, fully man, uh, the Bible teaches us that he was the agent of creation. He was there speaking the, the creation into existence. And then at, at a point in time, God sent Jesus into the world to be born of a virgin, uh, born in humble beginnings, and, uh, and he lived a sinless life. He was crucified on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, and then he rose again the third day. 
the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is vitally important. That's how we he proved himself to be the Son of God. So you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he's God's offer of forgiveness for sin. And then the C is simply to confess him as your Lord and Savior. Commit to live for him the rest of your life. Yeah, I encourage people to say, look, Lord Jesus, I don't know exactly how it works, but I'm asking you to take what you did on that cross and apply it to my spiritual bank account. And I want to confess you as my Lord and Savior and commit to live for you the rest of my life. Uh, the Bible teaches a concept called repentance, and uh, that's how we're saved. And that's and so when you trust Christ by faith, God takes his righteousness, the, the righteousness of Jesus, and applies it to our spiritual bank account. So... Um Becoming a Christian, do you have to go and start drinking blood and eating people's bodies and oh, no, doing weird things? Absolutely not. No, it's <laughs> it's a matter of faith. It's a faith response to what God has done on our behalf. And uh, in my case, I was five years old in the front seat of my father's car um, when when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Uh, but yet, I've met people who were saved as adults and. Uh, uh, who were saved late, late in life. I had a friend who led a hundred hundred year old lady to the Lord in a nursing home. Um, he asked her one day if if she knew the Lord, if she was ready to meet the Lord. Um, so anyway, the 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 gospel, the ABCs, um, and when you are, when you trust Christ by faith, the Bible says you're a new creation in Christ. Does life just become honky dory and everything's perfect? Well, in actuality, in actuality, you're painting a bullseye on your chest and telling Satan to take his best shot because you've now changed teams and he's not happy with that. So it, it doesn't mean that everything is just perfect from that day on. Uh, however, Jesus promised to never leave us nor forsake us, and he is with us, and no one is able to snatch us out of our Father's hand. It's been a huge blessing having you here. Um, we'd like to... I'd like to point out when Jesus came and spoke on the Mount and he talked about the Beatitudes, he, uh, he highlighted that there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do to come to the, uh, uh, God's expectation of perfection. And the only way to stand before God is to be perfect. And he himself went to that cross for us to be perfection, to be that, that final, um, uh, sacrificial lamb, he was given by God for us. He came willingly. He paid the price. He rose from the grave. And you accept him as your Savior, and you are guaranteed a spot in heaven. And we hope to see you there. Amen. I, I have a question. Um, so, like, when we die, why do I need to be saved? Why do I need to trust Christ as my Savior? What What's the whole point of doing this? Why, why can't I just live my life? Because when I die, I'm just going to be buried in the ground, right? Like, why why are we doing these things what's the whole point well that's a that's a great question garrett and thanks for uh for bringing that up because there's two destinations for eternity um even though we have a physical body this flesh and bone is the tent that our soul and spirit live in and so when we die uh, our spirit goes to one of two places it either goes to heaven to be with god or it goes to hell now god created hell for the devil and his angels God's desire is not that humans would go there. But anyone who rejects uh, God's offer of forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ is, is really sentencing themselves to that place called hell. It's a place of everlasting torment. People say, well, I believe hell's a big party and all my friends are going to be there. It is actually going to be the collection of the most selfish, self-centered, egotistical, arrogant people on the planet. Uh, it is a place of everlasting darkness, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Uh, interestingly, Jesus taught more about hell than he taught about heaven. And so nobody wants to go to hell. Um, and so as a five-year-old boy, uh, my father was like, son, if you don't trust Jesus by faith, you're going to go to hell. Well, what's a five-year-old going to go to hell for? Well, I was a cookie thief extraordinaire, man. Um, I stole cookies out of my mom's cookie jar all the time. And that was my motivation for trusting Jesus by faith. I didn't want to go to hell. And, uh, and so uh, that's why we trust Christ, because we do not want anybody to go to hell. And my motivation was I saw how bad of a sinner I was, and I looked at Jesus after trying to prove him wrong. And his, all, all I saw was his hands reaching out saying, just come to me, I forgive you. Yeah. So yeah. you, you can either be scared there or you can be brought there, but God's going to work in your heart one way or another. Amen. Yeah. 
and and for me personally my you know just in short my i was at the end of my rope and and god offered me a hope that i hadn't seen in my life and and ultimately that we live in such a dark world where you know things happen right and you know god is there right he is sovereign he's on the throne and he he fills those voids in our life you know and and uh, we'll talk about our testimonies here um, on, on a podcast, but God is ultimately more sufficient. He's enough, right? Everything else doesn't matter, but God does, right? That's okay. right. And we want to, uh, like we said, this podcast is meant to build a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that that works for you if you're listening. And um, Pastor Ralph, we are so blessed that you came here. We thank you so much. And I, I really, I just, I didn't plan this out, but my family has been so blessed just by the honesty. I mean, in spite of everything going on in this world, you just speak the word, and um, that's something that a lot of people are just dying to hear um, right now. You speak the word, you speak the truth, and it has blessed my heart, and I'm really excited to see what you're going to do and what God's going to do through you and through this church, and just miracle after miracle here has been awesome to watch. I appreciate that encouragement, Vance. And, you know, Jesus is the one who said... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if the truth will set you free, you'll be free indeed. And so we want people who are enslaved in darkness uh, and chained by the wiles of the devil to be set free. And really quick, before we leave, uh, I want to mention one quick question, and that is, once you're saved, can you just go on sinning? And is that okay? What, what's the, what's the uh, backdrop there? Well, um, I don't know that I can give you an answer for that in a short period of time, but Jesus is holy. God is holy. He's perfect. There's an expectation that your life will be transformed. Jesus doesn't just dust you off, uh, pat you on the head, and say, do the best you can. Uh, The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That means God transforms you from the inside out. It's not that you... Uh, become some kind of holy rover and you're too good for everybody else. Uh, Basically, God changes your want-tos. Could I go uh, out partying and carousing and cheating on my wife? Sure, I could, but I don't want to. I have absolutely no desire to do any of those things because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. And uh, and so uh, you, you can, you can choose to sin, but the scripture teaches when you choose to do that as a believer, you are trampling the blood of Christ underfoot. And because he's my Lord and Savior, I want to honor him with what I do. Um, living the party lifestyle, cheating on my wife, being a thief, or continuing to, to sin without uh, remorse is really a good indication that you're actually not a believer. Uh, and if you are a believer, you can't stay in that condition for very long. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Right. So if you're a child of God and God is, is and you're engaged in willful sin, God's going to take you to the proverbial woodshed and give you a spanking. Right. <laughs> well, and I think Romans 6 uh, is a good passage for that. You know, it talks about, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And uh, there's a term and it says meganointa, but which means by no means, like, so we shouldn't just trample on the blood of, of Christ just because we can. Um, we're ultimately called to be holy because he is holy and God is holy. And because he's holy, he can't have any sin right in his presence. And so we are called ultimately to a holiness and a higher standard because he wants us to be set apart, a city on a hill, a city with a light. Right. And we if you have a light, there's a little song, hide it under a bushel. no. You're not going to hide your light, right? We're going to shine that out for men and, 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 and women and just ultimately for the human race to, to come to know Christ because that's how we came. Somebody had to share the gospel with us uh, to understand it so that we could understand, hey, we, we're a fallen human race, right? And there's, it, you don't have to look far to see there's darkness and sin in the world, right? Um, you can look right down the street and there it's crazy how much sin there is. Um, you know, and so just God is gracious enough to give us a, a, a way of escape. Um, he, he died on the cross for us and, and we know that. And so we, we believe those truths and, and that's what we want to live out in our life, you know? Yeah. Um, being this was our first podcast, it's a little bit long winded. We know that, um, 
we're going to go ahead and end here. But Ms., uh, Pastor Ralph, could you end uh, this podcast with a prayer for us? Absolutely. Let me pray for our listeners today. Father, thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you that you're a good God. Uh, you love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross uh, to do for ourselves what we could not do uh, on our own. Lord, you paid the penalty for our sin. And so, Lord, there may be those out there who are searching, and I pray that today or over the next several days you would reveal yourself to them in, in ways that they cannot deny, that you would draw them to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, help them to reach out to us here at Christ Central Baptist Church so that we can help them on their spiritual faith journey. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon our listeners today that you would provide for their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Lord, for both saved and lost, we pray that they would come to know you in the way that you want and that they would have a, a, an intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe and his name is Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in the precious, strong name of Jesus, the Lamb of God, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Life 180. We hope that it challenged you, inspired you, and strengthens your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to reach out to us, feel free to email us at podcast.ccbc at gmail.com. Again, podcast.ccbc at gmail.com. Thank you and have a great day.